Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome to the final week of the NFL regular season. Don't worry, we'll still have a, a month, a little bit more with the Super Bowl of the postseason and slates that are fantastic, honestly. Uh, and we have an extra game this year for the wild card round, so you're going to get an even better slate for DFS purposes as well. But a lot of people from season long, right? Even if you play up until week 17, you're going to finish this week, and then you're going to need more content into the postseason and into other sports as well. So we're going to have that here for you. Welcome to also 2021. Happy New Year to you and yours. What we do here is if you're brand new and if you're familiar, we're going to go position by position with basically where I stand right now, trying to take everything into account as of when I record this show on Friday morning. Again, we come back with any last second things that need to be touched on on Sunday morning in a live stream and a Patreon closing thoughts. That's more so honing down on the actual strategy in game theory side of DFS. If you want to check that out, that is on Patreon along with projections, rankings, which is all the stuff that I referenced to kind of put together what we have with the information today. Obviously, more guys are going to get ruled out today, more so than any other week, just because they don't have to play. COVID restrictions seem to be really uh, heating up, if you would, depending on what happens in Cleveland, which shouldn't affect this slate, but potentially some other contract tracing. If anything really does change, we'll be able to update it in the projections on Patreon and discuss it on Sunday morning. So you can check all those out down below. And if you're here right now, it's going to be, I don't know, half hour, 40 minutes. You're getting smacked around with information. And please do hit that like and subscribe button as we start off the year trying to, last year from 2019 to 2020, and really 2018 to 2019 when I started, continuing to see growth. So I appreciate all of you a ton. We have NBA content going on on this channel. The PGA will start back up uh, next week. And now NFL is going to ride us out into February. So happy to have you all here. A massive 15 game slate where, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot. The game by game notes this week, normally they're 20 pages of game by game notes for like the 10 game slates. They're going to be like 30 plus pages over there on Patreon. Those are going to be coming out hopefully by Friday night or Saturday morning. Depending on when you're watching this, they might already be out. And the video is sponsored as always, as you can see above me, if you're watching on the YouTube version by Jock Market, as they have been every single year on our Sunday morning streams and our Friday shows. And if you're not already familiar, it is a lot of fun and there's a lot of upside in Jock Market. And I want to talk to them a little bit more about NBA and see how we can continue our partnership through that and maybe even our advance our partnership because it is a spot where daily fantasy sports means a stock exchange. Yes, you can buy shares and players for a specific slate, which for this NFL slate would basically be the whole week 17 slate, which is going to give you basically all everything on Sunday. There's no Monday night slate, there's no Thursday. So these 15 games on our main DFS slate, and then also the night games, you get to buy stock and, and shares in these players and depending on their fantasy points and where they rank out next to other people is what your ROI, your return on investment, if your stock appreciates or depreciates. Right? You don't have to worry about all that terminology, but if you understand that, that's what's basically happening. You have the players who are more fantasy points than expected, right? They beat their projection, basically. Well, depending on where they finish is how much more money you win. If they don't and they really fall flat on their face, well, that's what you lose, but you can sell and buy and sell basically live. So if you think somebody's actually performing pretty bad, you're looking at he's not getting that many targets early on, try and sell him. Maybe it's a big player and somebody will take them on thinking they'll have a big second half and bam, you just dropped a pretty bad asset. Or you can do the opposite. You're seeing a guy's getting targeted early on. Maybe somebody got hurt on his team. Somebody's not paying attention in the market. You say, hey, I'll pay a little bit more than what you actually paid for this guy. They'll say, hey, you know what? I'll take the guaranteed profits here. So there's a lot of strategy in jock market. Check it out down below right now. There's a link in the description. You can check it out to their website. They're going to have a desktop version soon, but it's a fantastic app. My name's Sal10, S-A-L-1-0. Let's know that you came from me. And they'll give you an extra $10 ruskies to play with upon deposit. So with all that said, again, happy new year to all of you. And let's get breaking into the content, which is going to be our first video of the year, a massive 15 game slate, the only, the only 15 game slate until next year. Uh, so a buckle up for this huge NFL slate since we didn't have any preseason. Maybe we'll get a preseason this year, but we're going to start off at the quarterback position with somebody who we've been getting a lot of basically all season long. And that man's name is going to be Mr. Deshaun Watson. And really just how can't you at this point, right? Deshaun Watson right now coming off of a game where he scores damn near 30 points yet again against Cincinnati, where he's the quarterback five on the week from a draft game perspective almost puts up 30 points he has 300 yards passing now in five out of his last six games he got it again last week with 302 yards passing with 339 air yards was basically his most since week five this year so he's continuing to throw downfield 
This is now three out of his last four games with nine yards per attempt or more. And just to put that in perspective for you, basically the NFL average is like 7.2 yards per attempt. He leads the league right now in yards per attempt. I will continue to say that this is the Sean Watson season because of how well Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are surgeons and how well Josh Allen is beating haters for a second straight year and up there in the MVP conversations. How good these players are playing right now, it is kind of going unnoticed. You have a bunch of rookies that are gaining some attention and how bad Bill O'Brien getting fired early on, how bad this Texans team is. It's going very underrated and under the radar right now that you have Deshaun Watson currently number one in the NFL in yards per attempt right now. He's basically top 10 in every and really top five in every true completion percentage, top three in true completion, top five in deep ball accuracy, number one in clean pocket percentage. He has been fantastic this season and he's not going to get any recognition for it. Do I think he's the MVP? No. Do I think if his team right now had 12 wins, would he be in that category of right around where Josh Allen is? Yeah, I think he would be like in the top four, top five of MVP voting. He's never even going to get that consideration because of how bad his team is, but he's playing fantastic. And they already came out and said he's going to be playing this week. So if he's going to be playing this week, well, then I have some confidence in him. Yeah, his price point's up there, but this is basically where it's been. 7K range, mid 7K range. It's gone up a couple hundred dollars. Hopefully it keeps people off of him. I'm fine to get back to Deshaun Watson. He's playing. His weapons are playing right now. Brandon Cooks, I like. You have cheap options in Chad Hansen, mid-range options and relatively cheap Kiki Kute. Jordan Aikens has a punt at the tight end position. So with nothing to play for in this game for Deshaun Watson, outside of playing spoiler for Tennessee's chances of maybe even making the playoffs, let alone winning their division right now, depending on what happens with the Colts and a lot of other wild card teams, Miami and so on and so forth. Deshaun Watson is definitely in play for me. Deshaun Watson, if you look on Patreon right now, and you can follow along down below on Patreon. If I pull up my projections for it, I have Deshaun Watson currently projecting out for 22.8 fantasy points, which is basically a virtual tie for second, only behind Lamar Jackson right now. But if we actually take into account value and fantasy point per dollar, Deshaun Watson's $300 less than Lamar Jackson. He actually grades out as a better value play for me. I do think that Houston is not my favorite stack this week, but I would say that you're going to see a lot of spread out stacks this week because there's so many teams not playing for anything. There's so many backups in, so it's kind of going to just narrow down the ownership. A couple guys up top and a couple stacks will pop off. Deshaun Watson is probably in that top five range of stacks this week. He'll probably be in my top three because of his rushing upside and what that does to his overall randomness. It really does prop him up in my projections when I start to crunch things out. Now, these next two quarterbacks have moved to yeses. If you watched the show earlier in the week, you know that Aaron Rodgers was a maybe for me, but now Aaron Rodgers and especially Josh Allen are yeses. Josh Allen is playing for something here. Even though the Pittsburgh Steelers are starting Mason Rudolph and the winner of basically Josh Allen has to win to lock up the two seed. That might not mean a lot to you, right? You kind of get avoid the Chiefs no matter what until the final round. I guess home field advantage. I do think it means something still. It doesn't mean that you're having fans in the stands, but you don't have to travel. You get to stay home. You get an extra day of practice, an extra day of rest back at home. You don't have to travel, stay in a hotel, a foreign place, just that type of environment. So I think they would actually want to play for that. And now they're facing Miami, which is a tough spot. It's only a 23 implied team total. So that's a little bit concerning, but it's just a very affordable spot. It's a very condensed offense for Josh Allen. Obviously, Josh Allen is great. We don't really have much to say much there. He is that man who is virtually tied right now with Deshaun Watson for second most points. I have him at 22.9. I actually prefer Josh Allen right now to this point to Deshaun Watson. Again, 22.9 points. I have him as a B in cash and a B in GPPs as well. And he's going to have a positive 11% pass blocking advantage this week. He has a top 10 pass blocking unit, as you can see on the screen right now. If you're watching the podcast, we like to put some stats up on the screen to help you out. Miami ranks 16th in pass rush right now and 20th in coverage. So it's been a solid defense that currently allows 243 yards per game passing, which is right around middle of the pack. They rank at 19th overall. Now, Allen's attempting the seventh most pass attempts per game at 36.5 so far. He is fourth in completed air yard. Shout out Steph Diggs for uh, opening up the deep ball top 10 true passer rating to this point. And he's third in QBR. A lot of other stats you can see on the screen. His 7.9 yards per attempt is well above the year in, in the league average. And then he's number two in fantasy points per game because of that rushing upside. He continues to just run in touchdowns as well. So that's going to be the sneaky upset that Josh Allen gives you in these stacks. And then what do you get to stack it up with? Well, Cole Beasley looks, looks to be week to week. We're waiting to see if he's officially ruled out. John Brown, if he returns, is just way too cheap. Steph 
Jeff Diggs is still too cheap, in my opinion. He should be priced up close to, right now, based on his performances this year, close to Devontae Adams, right in that eighty-five dollars to $9,000 range. Still priced below Calvin Ridley. Kind of questionable to me. So Josh Allen looks really good. Run back options on Miami. You're going to have Miles Gaskin, Mike Gusecki, and if Devontae Parker returns. Just to close the door on Josh Allen, the rushing upside you're getting from him this year, eight rushing touchdowns and 27.8 yards per game this season. You're getting very close to, at this point, a 10 fantasy point per game average just on the ground for Josh Allen. Then the final yes, and we have some babies that we can quickly touch on, is going to be one Mr. Aaron Rodgers, who is, well, yet again on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week, he's basically, they asked him again, like straight up, they were kind of joking around, like you already won the MVP because Patrick Mahomes is sitting. He basically just has to avoid a catastrophic performance here. Um, and the narrative on it right now is really leading in that way. He is in a lot of betting markets, like a minus 300 favorite. He just has to go out there and perform half decent as he has all year. And based on the indications we've had all season, previous performance against the Chicago defense, which was a, a light up show for him and a fantastic performance. It seems like he's going to be able to lock that up. And he's out there saying, yeah, why should anybody shy away from trying to become a pro bowler, trying to become an all pro, trying to become a, an MVP person. But if you say that to the media, the general media will go out there and say things like, ah, they don't care about the team. It's individual stats. So yeah, obviously he's trying to hunt and win this thing. That's why he's throwing so many touchdowns from the two yard line this year, not handing it off like they were last year for 19 touchdowns total to Aaron Jones. Rodgers will have close to a neutral matchup. He's not going to have David Bakhtiari, which is going to make it a negative matchup, negative 9% right now against the Chicago Bears. So Bakhtiari being out is massive, but he still has a top two overall pass blocking unit. The big concern is, and obviously left tackle is the biggest position, if you're not sure, for the blind side of a right-handed quarterback. The biggest concern is who's going to be filling in. A man named Patrick on the offensive line is nowhere near good. So this is going to be a hit for the Packers. I don't think it's going to derail all of their hopes for the playoffs, but when you have the highest paid offensive tackle of all time, David Bakhtiari now missing, and one of the best, honestly, of all time at this point, that's going to obviously impact your game. Now, Chicago ranks sixth in pass rush and 11th in coverage this season, and they're allowing only 231 yards per game, which is top half of the league to the quarterback position. But Rodgers has been fantastic, fourth overall in fantasy points per game. He's right now number one overall in true passer rating, number one in pass rating in general. He's basically tops in passing touchdowns. He's overall third in yards per attempt. He's third in deep passes. He, he's very good so far this year. That's why he's chasing an MVP. Now, who do you stack him up with? Well, Devontae Adams is the obvious one, but expensive. I do think MVS is a very interesting play this week. You have Bob Tanyan if you just want to get a tight end in there. Um, Alan Lazard is still not running full routes. They didn't throw a lot last week, just 15 times. He ran uh, 15 routes on like 30 Aaron Rodgers dropbacks. So he's at least in play, but he's not a full-time player right now. Still trying to work his way back from his core muscle surgery. I think MVS would be the dark horse, the sleeper option there. Um, obviously coming off a week where nobody wants to play him. Now he's in the 3K range. That's where you can kind of get into these stacks a little bit more with a team that's projected for 28 points so far to this point. In week 16, to close the door on Rodgers, 25 attempts. He completed 21 of them. So very good there. 231 yards, four touchdowns and a pick, 26.1 fantasy points. He continues week in and week out to provide big fantasy point performances. It's just now how much do you want to stack it up with it? How much do you want to pay up for Adams? There is way, way, way more than enough running back value this week that we're about to get into to play, pay up for any combination of a stack, even the most expensive like a Rodgers to an Adams. Other options for me trying to condense the player pool this week. I do still like Ryan Tannehill on the opposite side of that Houston game. They actually have something to play for. They have the highest team total on the slate right now at 31.75. They have affordable options, a low 6K range, Corey Davis that nobody's going to want to play, a low 7K range, AJ Brown that nobody's going to want to play. Last time out against Houston, it was a absolute torch fest on both sides. It's a really bad Houston defense. Sure, Derrick Henry can get loose. It's a bottom five run defense, but it's also a bottom five pass rush and a bottom five secondary. So if Houston can continue to put points up, they're going to still throw the ball 35 to 40 times. If Houston can grow a lead, you can kind of lock in that 35 to 40 times on Ryan Tannehill and he will be low owned. Matt Ryan against Tampa Bay at 4,900. You saw 300 yard performance, got the bonus last week, I think right on the nose, two touchdowns. He has been playing without Julio uh, for the last couple of weeks and much of this season right now. It seems like Julio is trending in the wrong direction this week, not practicing yet as of Friday morning. So he's still in play. I would prefer to get to Matt Ryan after Ryan Tannehill and this next guy, Kirk Cousins. You have no right now. Alexander Madison is practicing. No Dalvin Cook already. And this is an offense that should continue to throw more. They have a matchup against Detroit right now, the second highest or third highest team to on the slate at 30. I think Kirk Cousins at $6,300. If you're looking for somebody to get some value out of, 
Last time I was a one-game sample, Alexander Madison struggled with no Dalvin Cook. But Chris Cousins is somebody that can give you a lot of value. And we've seen him now. He's probably one million makers in GPPs four times in the last two years. He has a minus 13% pass blocking advantage because he just has a terrible offensive line, ranked 27th overall. But Detroit's defense currently ranks 21st in pass rush and dead last in coverage this season. And they allow the third most passing yards per game to the opposing quarterback at 278 per game. Cousins is averaging 257 per game so far this year. He's very quietly top eight in passing touchdowns right now at 32. Your clear stacking options and affordable right now. Now, Adam Thielen and affordable right now, Justin Jefferson. And that's basically it. If you want to just punt tight end and get a full on game stack with Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph still out. I would not blame you one bit. Last week, you saw a huge performance from Cousins 27 to 41, 293 yards and three touchdowns. Goes off for about 24 fantasy points. Just misses that bonus to 300 yards. So now with no Dalvin Cook, the game flow is likely going to go more so through the passing game than it was prior to this. I think that Kirk Cousins is probably outside of Rodgers, Allen and Watson. Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill are kind of mano mano for that fourth 4A, 4B quarterback spot that I like this week. Now let's move over to the running back position where I mentioned there is a ton, a ton of value this week and a ton of value that I like. And you can kind of choose between it based on where the ownership is going to be. To kind of touch on ownership for the quarterback position, we have ownership right now on Patreon link down below if you want to just see it for every single player. Quarterback position ownership on a 15 game slate with 30 quarterbacks out there. Normally the ownership doesn't matter because you can stack it up and get unique there. But the quarterback ownership, you can expect Deshaun Watson. You could expect Kirk Cousins to pick up some ownership. But after that, it's basically all spread out. Nobody's in the double digits right now in my projections. 5% is where you're going to see most quarterbacks most week. That's where your guys like Rodgers, and if you wanted to play Mitch Trubisky, you're going to be. Tannehill's probably going to be like 3 or 4% owned, so not a lot of ownership there. Matt Ryan probably not going to be owned at all. And the same thing for guys like Josh Allen in that 5% range. You don't really have to worry about quarterback ownership this week. Again, somebody like a Sean Watson might hit 10%, but even that wouldn't be that big of a concern because by the time you stack it up, and there's so many other games on the slate to get unique, you should be fine. So you can see right now, the running backs on the screen, we can talk about running back ownership in a second, but the running backs on the screen right now, you have no Dalvin Cook, so that makes it a little bit easier to choose for your payup options between Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. In GPPs, I prefer Derrick Henry. In cash games, if you still play those, I prefer Alvin Kamara. But now we can open it up to a ton of value this week. Just starting it off right now for the Jets, who they don't have Michael P. Ryan. He went on the COVID list. They already ruled out Frank Gore. So who does that open up? Well, that opens up the former Detroit Lion, who actually had a lot of upside when he was with Detroit, and Mr. Ty Johnson. And Ty Johnson right now, so Frank Gore has a chest injury, and Michael P. Ryan on the COVID list, so they're both out for Week 17. The Jets this week, they're going to have a positive 24% run blocking advantage. And the reason why they're facing a bad run defense in the Patriots, who were just set up to fail this year when the season started with losing so many defensive players in their front seven. They're ranked 23rd in run defense so far this year, and they're allowing right now borderline top five, sixth most yards per game to the running back position with 133 per game. Now, Ty Johnson has been pretty decent this year when actually given a role. I mean, we saw him in week 15 have the big touchdown catch. He caught all six of his targets, 55 yards and a touchdown. That's basically how he got it done. He's had big usage as a starter one time this year in week 13 when he came in on short notice for an injury. He had 22 carries in that game, right? He went for a buck 17. He had a couple of targets. So this is a guy who can actually manage a load and now he's 4,300 in a good matchup. They're only three point underdogs here. They only have an 18 and a half implied total, but this is one of those value guys. There's three guys so far this week. And I say so far because men can be ruled out on Friday and obviously Saturday and open up even more value. Playing a jet is not great. I wouldn't be wanting to get to him in cash, although he does look pretty decent in cash overall. If I grade it out by value right now, Ty Johnson is my number one value play. Having projected for 13.8 points at the running back position. That is a 1.85 X multiplier in super draft. Probably don't need to get there, but yes, $4,300 Ty Johnson is in play for me right now, averaging very quietly 4.9 yards per carry on a limited sample. And because of these value running backs, if you wanted to get to one or two of them, you're always going to have value quarterbacks, always going to have punt options. And really everybody is in the three K range for the most part at the tight end position. You can pay up for other running backs in the slate. You can pay all the way up for Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara, 
or you can pay up for a guy who should be in that 8k range right now based on how he's been performing over the final month and he's had 20 or more fantasy points 19 and a half to be exact or more fantasy points in four straight weeks and during that time over the last four weeks you have six touchdowns for Jonathan Taylor he has just been absolutely working on the ground alone right now just in the red zone he's actually seen 12 opportunities when you factor in the passing game he's seen 14 red zone opportunities in the last four weeks that role overall is his right now and he continues to just be fed touches at this point you're seeing 19 or more touches in three straight weeks 19 or more opportunities he did not have a reception last week but they were up big on Pittsburgh in the first half and then the second half they just slowly gave the lead away but they were still up big so that's why he had 18 attempts and no receptions in that game saw a target but the week before that he saw four two three four so he's in the receiving game and he's pretty active right now Jonathan Taylor as a 14 point favorite this is just how this works out right this is what you look for big favorites running backs that are good can break tackles which he's been doing tops in the league over the last four weeks which was kind of missing when he was injured with the lower body I believe ankle injury earlier this year but now things are looking good for Jonathan Taylor trust me he's going to pick up ownership but on a 15 game slate what's it going to be 15 percent you're not going to get 30 percent Jonathan Taylor 14 point favorite and arguably right now fantasy points per game wise the second best matchup on the overall slate against Jacksonville as a two touchdown favorite and the highest team total all those things usually just lead to yes this is a strong running back play Derrick Henry's up there I mentioned I prefer him in GPPs to Alvin Kamara I do think Derrick Henry's going to be coming in with lower ownership to Alvin Kamara maybe even half just based on recent performance alone and I can't really knock it because Alvin Kamara as always has more of those outs because of his passing game usage don't expect the six touchdowns but Derrick Henry to me is going to be fine now I do like Ryan Sandhill but I'm not going to run away from the fact that Derrick Henry is still a top two broken tackles guy somebody who is going to probably see in this game 20 plus area carries unless the game gets out of hand he's going to be involved in all facets of the red zone in between the 20s on the rushing game so I like him in GPPs a little bit more because of that half the ownership of Alvin Kamara as of right now no other reason if they were both the same ownership they're basically the same price $100 difference I'd be getting to more Alvin Kamara but the fact that Derrick Henry currently is projecting out for half the ownership that makes him a better GPP play in my opinion other yeses right now you can see Ezekiel Elliott's name is on the screen right now he's gonna have a terrible run, running blocking advantage this upcoming week minus 26 percent he's coming off of his best game of the year had a big 30 yard carry got into the end zone as well broke 11 tackles to lead week 16 so he looked like vintage Zeke out there and it looked very good a little bit too late though unless they can end up finding their way into the playoffs here but it's been a downfall season for him really because of his offensive line obviously losing Dak he runs behind the 28th ranked run blocking unit which used to be by far and away a top three unit the last couple of years the Giants are good against the run fifth overall in run defense but they are 27th in tackling allowing just 111 yards per game is borderline top five in terms of limiting the running back position Zeke's still top five in carries right now he still leads the NFL to all running backs and this was very spiked up for his first couple of weeks but he still leads all the running backs in routes run he's top 10 now in evaded tackles thanks to his usage last week and in that week 16 games he had 19 carries he caught four receptions as well and he had 18 fantasy points over 100 yards and 139 total yards in the game I actually don't think he found the end zone Zeke's in play in the six k range I like DeAndre Swift a little bit more here and I do think that the ownership on both of these guys is going to be pretty different like I think you're going to probably see Ezekiel Elliott coming in at like half the ownership as DeAndre Swift if not less so that's where a pivot play comes into effect if you need it if you already have a really chalky lineup which I don't think you will this week because it's just a lot of games and a lot of teams to pick from ownership is naturally lower I think that I'd rather get to DeAndre Swift this week just a lot more upside of DeAndre Swift he still ends up getting there to a certain extent in the worst game flow last week possible like they're down by 40 that's the one concern but now it's an even better matchup he has a positive 56 percent run blocking advantage right now against the Vikings 26 strength run defense and 28th in tackling they are right now bottom five in terms of yards per game allowed the fifth most in the NFL to the running back position which 135 per game and that's not even counting what DeAndre Swift's doing in the passing game this year right a 13 percent target share is top 10 in the NFL to this point he has 43 receptions and that's top 13 for running backs even though he was like a, a third option for the first quarter of the season missed a couple of games as well DeAndre Swift is somebody that I really want to get in on because he has a 0.902 fantasy points per touch to put that in perspective for anybody who has a lot of carries this year that's third in the NFL only behind Alvin Kamara and Jeff Wilson Jr and Jeff Wilson has a very limited sample as well but he's been extremely efficient 
efficient, and that's why we've been wanting to play him like last week and potentially this week. So DeAndre Swift, the passing game usage is going to be there this week and what seems to be a closer game as just six and a half point underdogs instead of 30 point underdogs after the first quarter last week. So Swift over Zeke for me. Swift is my favorite 6K option. Melvin Gordon just looks good. You're not gonna have Philip Lindsay. Melvin Gordon is just going to continue to look good for the workload that he will have in this game. And you should expect a little bit more passing game usage than you saw last week, which was absolutely no passing game usage for him. So Gordon's gonna be in play. He actually grades out right now for me over on Patreon as my number two overall value at 16 and a half points. Maybe I could flash that on the screen at what you're getting right now. The ownership on Melvin Gordon will be interesting. I do think it's going to be there, but again, because of the size of the slate, maybe 10%. Normally on like 10 game slates, this could be like 16, 18%. And then you're like, eh, Melvin Gordon uh, really needs touchdowns to pay off for you at this price tag. There's a lot of other value here. So you can definitely get away from it. The fact that all this value opened up like Ty Johnson and like these next two guys we can talk about, DeRay Ogunbowale and Rodney Smith. And Rodney Smith is going to be the, the rookie that I have a lot of interest in. But if we want to look at DeRay Ogunbowale, DeRay last week saw a massive workload. And these are guys that are popping off his top values for me because of how cheap they are. Ogunbowale, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, the draft pick that they took last year, was then cut, picked up by Jacksonville. He becomes the workhorse back with no James Robinson in week 16. He ends up seeing 19 opportunities and 17 touches for 78 yards. He ran 18 routes, the most he's ran this year. No James Robinson this week. So yeah, by far and away, this is his backfield over Divine Ezekiel's. So he looks fine there. And he, we know he's a pass catching running back. We know that's what he basically specialized in when he was with Tampa Bay. And we saw it a little bit last week on his five targets. And then you have Rodney Smith opening up from Carolina, who he's always been involved, right? He's been involved all season long, basically since the first injury to Christian McCaffrey way back early on. And I always thought that this was the Dallas running back, but it's not like the, the Rod Smith, but it's Rodney Smith. He's an undrafted rookie running back. I thought this earlier in the year before he actually started playing more, but he's 25 years old already. So I mean, his lifespan in this league, he's already kind of missed his big contract, but this is his chance to show out a little bit. And that's the big thing about week 17. Guys can show out. That's how Matt Flynn basically got a massive contract from Seattle to always be their backup once they drafted Russell Wilson. But he's undrafted out of Minnesota, 210 pounds. He's 5'11". He's going to be somebody that's going to see a lot of work this week. I'm projecting him to be the lead back. They also have Trent Cannon, the former Jet, out of there, who's more of a scat back. And so is Rodney Smith to an extent. But you saw Rodney Smith play in back-to-back weeks now, or really three weeks in a row, increasing snaps each and every week. He played 34% of the snaps against Green Bay. He ended up seeing in that game, he ran 13 rounds. He saw eight opportunities. He had seven overall touches for 47 yards. And then last week, he plays 35% of the snaps. In that game, he runs 13 routes yet again. He sees nine touches in that game. So I'm coming out here projecting him for 12 plus touches. I'm projecting him for over 11 fantasy points right now, and it makes him look very good. I think that this is a talented pass catching back out of the backfield. Basically, what you're seeing so far this year is a 24% route participation. He's running eight routes per week. is basically a third string running back to this point. Seven yards per reception. That's all going to go up as he gets a little bit bigger of a sample, at least I believe so. So I think Rodney Smith, out of all these guys that I have right now, I have Ty Johnson projected as the best value. I think that's where some of the ownership is going to go. I think Rodney Smith is the guy in GPPs that might have the most upside for you as long as he's actually declared a starter. Mike Davis already ruled out if you're not familiar. So I would actually rank it uh, if you're talking about cash, Ty Johnson, Rodney Smith, and DeRay. And then the GPPs, they're all kind of like 1A, 1B, 1C. I would go Rodney Smith, Ty Johnson, and DeRay Ogunbowale, but they're all pretty close for me. So that's the running back position. Yes, I have some other interests as you can scroll down and see a couple guys that are noted. Chris Carson, the sixth carry range. I just prefer Zeke and DeAndre Swift more. Then you have Austin Eckler at 7,500. Keenan Allen was just ruled out. So this increases the target share, at least in theory, for Austin Eckler this week for a guy who's kind of been struggling the last couple of weeks and really not so much because of him. He's just not getting as much work. They continue to put guys like Kalen Balaj and Joshua Kelly on the field when he's activated and Justin Jackson, he's actually healthy. So that's the concern the last couple of weeks for Austin Eckler. Like last week, Austin Eckler in the game, he only sees 13 total opportunities. The week before that, he sees 17 opportunities, but now in the last two weeks, he's only seen seven targets. He's brought all seven of them in, which is good, but that's really capping his upside. Because before that, we were seeing 16 targets, nine targets, nine targets. Now it's dropped these past couple of weeks, and that's a little bit of a concern. Obviously, it's a small sample. It could flip right backwards, and now with no Keenan Allen, that's why I like it. But at $7,500 for the recent role we're seeing, a little bit of a concern, especially in the last game of the year for a guy who's dealt with injuries all year long. And then Jeff Wilson and Aaron Jones are also 
also in play for me. Just prefer other guys in that 7K range over Aaron Jones. Basically, Jonathan Taylor is the only other option in that range that I'll prefer a little bit more. So after that, I would go Jones and then Eckler. Then at 6K flat, hard to ignore Jeff Wilson as it seems like you're not going to have Raheem Mostar on IR. They don't like Tevin Coleman. They don't like Jerry McKinnon in this backfield. So Jeff Wilson somehow passed out last week and still was able to play. I do like him. Tough matchup against Seattle, though, so I don't expect to get too much volume there. The running backs that I do like are right here on the screen. The yeses are the priorities as of Friday morning. We'll kind of have the official and final count on those guys once we actually get to Sunday morning for the Patreon Closing Thoughts podcast and get to Sunday morning as well for that live stream that we go on at 10 a.m. East Coast time. So now going to the wide receiver position, which is always a loaded position, right? You're gonna have a ton here. And also, if you're not already, check out Jock Market, link down below. I have to reach out to them. I don't know if Dave's watching to this point, but I'll reach out to Dave and see some stuff about NBA because I've been playing the NBA and uh, the other night, like the Jock Market and NBA is so, so efficient because people don't make content for it. Golf, like Rick makes some content. NFL, I make some content. So there's at least some health help there. But in terms of the NBA market, the NBA market is changing at every like last five minutes. So if you play NBA DFS, you know that you have to like be up to date because guys get ruled out. But in the jock market, people don't react nearly as quick enough. Like I got Giannis. Uh, he basically had to finish as a top eight scorer on a six game slate. He was projected for 10 points more. Him and Luca were projected for 10 points more than anybody else for me. Unless he was getting injured or he fouled out of that game, he was going to be getting that. And he ended up being the number one scorer. He blew up for a triple double and all of my shares of Giannis, which I had like 15 shares of Giannis, they all went up by double just because of that. It was so easy to see it. He had to basically get hurt or foul out. The odds of that are so slim. Check out Jock Market because if you're paying attention, it is very close right now because of how inefficient the market is because it's not a ton of people. It's just not a ton of information out there. Now people are making content like I am right now about DraftKings, but just not as much. So be sure to check it out because it is very, very inefficient. And there are ways like that where you basically can walk yourself into top players just having to finish as a top 10 options on the slate when they're projecting out for by far a top two option. So just be sure to check all that out. Jock Market, my name's Sal, one zero one zero zero south 10 get you 10 free dollar so to the wide receivers now it's a massive slate so i can tell you that every single guy like i'm gonna have one percent of this guy so i'm trying to really condense it down so you're only gonna see a couple of yeses like six on the screen seven on the screen right now but just know that there's gonna be guys that i have like 10 plus more percent of that will turn into yeses as of the sunday morning stream but just to try and keep it a little bit condensed yes Devontae Adams and Steph Diggs, I've already mentioned it. There's no reason to be running away from the expensive wide receivers this week. We just showed you that there are so many running backs that are dirt cheap this week, right? And when there's so many running backs that are dirt cheap, and then you even have nice mid-range options, a bunch of 6K running backs, when that's the case, just one of them has to hit, let alone two or three potentially hitting, let alone some other running backs opening up later in the week. So if you get a Ty Johnson to hit for 16 or 17 points, or Dore Ogunbowale to score 18 points and catch six passes this week, which is very much in his range of outcomes, it makes it that much easier to pay up for $8,100 Steph Diggs. That leads the league right now in in area and market share, in receptions, in targets, in yards, right? Devonte Adams, who's the third player ever to have 100 catches in 17 touchdowns, joining Chris Carter and Randy Moss. Both of those guys played 16 games. He's only played 13 freaking games this year. Aaron Rodgers called him the best player, moving him ahead of Charles Wilson, the best player that he's ever played with. These guys are fine to get to. They're locked and loaded. Adams averaging 28 DraftKings points per game. Right now, Diggs averaging 21. Adams will likely see Kyle Fuller, as you can see on the screen, a positive 24% matchup. He lines up in the slot 37% of the time and on the left side of the field, 31% of the time. Uh, in the slide, I'll basically see some Vildor and then some Duke Shelley, which are just guys that are left at right there unless Jalen Johnson somehow is going to return for this game. Adams right now, even though he missed two and a half games left early in that uh, first game that they played, I believe it was against Detroit. He's still fifth in targets right now. First in target share at 35%. You see a bunch of other stats on the screen at Adams. That basically just tells you how good he is coming off his week 16, 11 receptions on 12 targets. 43.2 fantasy points and 46.2 DraftKings points with a bonus, 142 yards and three touchdowns in that game. He's number one in red zone targets. He's number one in yards after the catch. Right now, he's number one in yards per route run. He's basically up there in every efficiency metric that actually matters. And then you have Steph Diggs, who is $1,100 cheaper. And I prefer Steph Diggs to Adams, but it really depends on your stack. If you're playing Steph Diggs, you're probably playing Josh Allen. If not, then of course you can get him in there to whatever other Matt Ryan has a one-off option, something like that. Uh, but if you're playing Aaron Rodgers, I'm playing Devonta Adams over Diggs, right? Or I can maybe get to both of them if there's enough value and you want to play two punt running backs. Steph 
Stefan Diggs is going to have a positive 15% matchup against Byron Jones this week from Miami. So this is a good secondary in Miami. You will also see Diggs line up in the slot. He'll see some Xavier Howard. He lines up on the right side of the field 37% of the time. He's in the slot about a third of the time. So he moves all over the field. That's why these top receivers like Adams, like Diggs, like Allen Robinson, like Keenan Allen, they move all over the field. So their coaches know what to do and put them in the slot to really succeed. But he's fourth right now in routes run. He's going to be up there in a lot of efficiency metrics. Again, I said he leads the league in targets, 160. He leads the league in receptions right now, right now with 120 receptions versus in receiving yards with 1459. Could potentially get to 1600 receiving yards. And I'd like to see where that ranks in Bill's history if he's not already beaten all these records. But you can see another Bill right below him and John Brown. Because John Brown, I don't see any official news right now. John Brown could potentially return. It seems like Cole Beasley's question was a leg injury. It seems like they might lean doubtful for him. You're going to have Gabriel Davis step up and either way be a top three wide receiver if one of John Brown or Cole Beasley miss. So that's another cheap option for you in your stacks. But John Brown would be a guy that I do indeed plan to get to at 3,600 if he's in play, right? This is just another cheap option. He's cheaper than all those running back options. And honestly, he'd look like the best option point for dollar wise. So John Brown opens up as another value to allow you to pay up for these guys. You have guys like Sterling Shepard that are standing out to me because Sterling Shepard has just been very consistent. And he's a guy that no matter what Daniel Jones is looking to, for whatever reason, you're not seeing Daniel Jones connect like he did last year with Mr. Darius Slayton on the outside, outside of like week one this season, you're going to get a questionable Sterling Shepard with a rib injury this week. He'll have a positive 20% matchup against Jordan Lewis, where he'll kind of move all over the field against Dallas and just find great matchups anyways. 42% of the time on the right side of the field for Sterling Shepard, 26% of the time on the left side of the field. So he'll see Anthony Brown. He'll see the rookie Trevion Diggs. You're getting very quietly 7.3 targets per game and 5.3 receptions per game out of Sterling Shepard. If he didn't get banged up, this has been a very nice draft pick for you. The former second round pick out of Oklahoma for the New York Giants. This is a nice spot. In week 17, he found the end zone, scored 22.7 fantasy points on 12 targets. So he's coming off of arguably his best game of the year. If you're talking about volume, it was by far. His next closest game was 10 targets. He has nine receptions, which is also a season high. So this is arguably his best game of the year. I would say that it is. And now he gets a very juicy matchup against Dallas, which is the best matchup on the season outside of maybe Seattle for your wide receivers this year. You can go down even more. Russell Gage, assuming that you're not going to have any Julio Jones this week is somebody nice to get to, especially if you're trying to stack up Matt Ryan and you don't want to go up to Calvin Ridley. I would suggest trying to get there, but he'll have a negative 16% matchup against Cockrell on the slot, but he'll move all over the place. He's still seeing an 18% target share. He's one target away from hundred targets this year. Very quietly having a strong season. He is dropping the ball a lot. He has eight drops, which is third overall, but that's not something that I think kind of moves over to the next game and you don't lose fantasy points for drops. So Gage is in play. You can get down to a little bit more yeses here. Robbie Anderson's very interesting to me. He'll see Patrick Robinson this week, which I think is a very strong and positive matchup for him. Still crazy to me that Robbie Anderson went undrafted out of Temple. But Robbie Anderson right now, I don't know how he's this cheap. He's $5,600 against New Orleans, where he's going to have probably a positive matchup. Look, in week 15, he suffered on a Saturday night game, which was just a weird game in general. He got shut down by a Jair. Like basically everybody but Allen Robinson and maybe Adam Thielen has gotten shut down by Jair Alexander this year. Outside of that, you're looking at performances of 10 targets, 17 points, 12 targets, 18 points, seven targets, 19 points, right? You're looking at this guy being a number one wide receiver so far this year. And in fantasy, he's very close to that. So I'm very surprised that he's in this mid 5K range. I was thinking to see this week, probably like a $6,600 Robbie Anderson for somebody who was picking up quietly 14 points three fantasy points per game, which is top 25 and numbers two wide receiver on the season. He's number two in the target accuracy that's coming his way as well. So all these things are nice. Number one in route participation. He runs around on hundred percent of his quarterback's drop back. So yeah, this is a very nice mid-range option for you. Again, there's value everywhere in this slate. If I was to currently look at Robbie Anderson's projection for me, it's going to be somewhere up there. It's like a top 10 option this week. I have him projected for 15.2 points, makes him a 2.17 value. And if we try and scroll down to what the wide receiver ownership is going to look like this week, you're going to see some guys pop off at wide receiver more so than other positions, because it's just easy to get up to these guys. 
at. So Robbie Anderson at 5,600, the market is saying that, yeah, he's underpriced, but even then, what's he going to be? 12% owned? That's the beauty of this week. You're probably going to get a week this week where you see Stefan Diggs not even pushing 15% ownership, even though he's dirt cheap with a lot of value. So play whoever you want this week. It's going to be that easy. Just make sure to correlate your lineups. And then I have as a yes on here, Richie James. Look, it seems like Debo Samuel is not going to play. They said that he's practicing. I don't know why they should just shut him down, but he's probably not going to play. That's probably just all for his own maintenance and things like that. Brandon Ayuk, they already said a shutdown. So the wide receivers this week, you do have George Kittle out there. A question of how much they'll push him. He ran just 15 routes last week, but Kittle is definitely still out there as your main option. Then you have Kendrick Bourne, you have Richie James. So earlier this year, Richie James went off against the Packers in a game where they were just getting blown out. So they had to throw a bunch. In that game, he scores 33.4 points, factoring in the bonus, 36.4 DraftKings points, and he ends up being the wide receiver one. And I think that's going to be anchored in a lot of people's minds, and maybe even included in my mind, right? They did not have that week, all the players I've already mentioned, but they also did not have a George Kittle, which is going to be a pretty big deal. And they were also playing from behind and just chucking bombs downfield the entire time, because after that, he played 98% of the snaps and he just scores three fantasy points. He plays 88% of the snaps. So he's still operating as a starter. He only plays and gets three fantasy points. In week 15, 67% of the snaps, seven fantasy points. And then last week in week 16, he sees 86% of the snaps and he only has one target. Now he's $3,100 and he's close to the bare minimum. I have him as yes, just to kind of differentiate punt options. I'll put him as a maybe so you don't get confused. A yes does not mean in that standpoint that he is somebody that I want to get into all my lineups. It means that if you're trying to punt the wide receiver position, literally, I mean, John Brown at 3,600 would be my option. That's why he is a yes above him. If you're trying to go all the way down to the bottom, yeah, Richie James is going to project out for somewhere around like five to six targets and at 3,100 in a strong matchup against Seattle, that is hard to ignore. And then there's a lot of maybes like Allen Robinson. I like a lot. He's mainly a run back in Packer stacks because I would be paying for Stefan Diggs almost every single time for $400 more. AJ Brown, he's mainly a run back in Houston stacks or my Tennessee stacks. I like AJ Brown a lot this week. Went off for two touchdowns, 20 plus fantasy points last time against Houston. And this is a strong spot for Mr. AJ Brown. Corey Davis's teammate is fine as well. If you just want to avoid AJ Brown and get a cheaper option and be able to spend up at other spots, you maybe you want to play a Stefan Diggs instead of going to AJ Brown, but you can afford Corey Davis. That's a nice way to get a one-off of Stefan Diggs with upside and a lot of volume and secured points, but also get the correlation if you're playing a Houston, Tennessee stack of Corey Davis in there. And scroll down a little bit more and really not even a little bit more. You're going to be able to see a lot of guys have interest in Jerry Judy coming off of a five drop game, but 15 targets. He said he's slowly starting to get over this lower body injury that he might have to have surgery on. So that's kind of still a question mark, but he's only 4,200 as the number one, a one B with Tim Patrick in that passing year at the wide receiver position and a strong matchup against Vegas. A lot of these guys are going to fill out stacks for me. I do think that Amari Cooper, who had a massive game last week, and for some reason, like people kind of forget that he even did that. Oh, they find matchup against Bradbury, positive 2%. He's still top 10 in routes run this year. And he's coming off of that four catch, 121 yard performance on six targets. Had like a 67 yard catch. It was the longest play this year to not go for a touchdown. I think that's what they said uh, in the NFL, or maybe it was just for the Cowboys. Kiki Kute's here. I do think Devontae Parker is somebody to keep an eye on. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been ruled out, which limits the upside of Devontae Parker and these relief efforts by Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins. But two is out there, and two has been looking his way. Now it's a hamstring injury, which is the concern. But Parker has now already missed two and a half weeks because of this. He's seeing a 21% target share of the season, around seven targets per game. And he's borderline top 10 in contested catch rate. The reason why I do like this is because I want to play Buffalo stacks. So who am I running back Buffalo with? I have no problem doing Mike Gusecki there. I think that's fine. Miles Gaskin is not somebody I really want to play because he's priced up now. And there's a lot of other values or guys in that range I like more like a maybe Ezekiel Elliott, but like a DeAndre Swift or just punting all the way down to value, a Melvin Gordon. So I kind of want to need to go with Mike Gusecki there. There's no Jakeem Grant this week. So maybe Lynn Bowden opens up. Lynn Bowden definitely starts to look a lot better if there's no Parker either. But if Parker's playing, he's a strong option just game theory wise for running back stacks of Buffalo with on the opposite side. Because if there's a player on the other team to keep this game high scoring and keep Josh Allen having to throw, you would think that it would be Devontae Parker for quick strike upside. Other options down here kind of just gel together. Uh, Jameson Crowder is now back up to 5K. Still looks like a good value. If I kind of go over to my projections right now, I 
I have Mr. Jamison Crowder grading out as, yeah, borderline top 10. He's top 10 right now, 10th overall, 13.6 fantasy points. So that looks good. Guys like Josh Reynolds, because there's no Cooper Cup. Josh Reynolds is $3,200. So Josh Reynolds arguably will be a better player than Richie James this week because we've seen him get the targets. We've seen him get the volume. But the concern for him is it's not Jared Goff throwing the ball. So we can't project him out that highly when John Warford, who's a guy who ran for like 16 rushing touchdowns and like 1,200 yards his final two years of college. I don't really respect Wolford or however I pronounce his last name. I apologize. But I don't expect John to be throwing the ball 35 times and throwing it accurately. I would probably project somewhere around 24 to 26 times. Maybe it's it's easy, scheduled, and schemed passes for him, but those more so would go to tight ends, you would think, go to maybe running backs if Malcolm Brown has to start if there's no Cam Akers, which is something else to point out for the running back position. Brown would open up as another value if Cam Akers was to miss. Already no Daryl Henderson. A lot of easy scheme plays would go to Robert Woods and also probably the tight ends and not so much Josh Reynolds who plays a little bit more downfield. Other options are Darnell Mooney and your Packers stacks. That's a nice cheap way to do it because David Montgomery and Allen Robinson are expensive. I prefer Allen Robinson over all of them if you could afford it, but you're really probably condensing your lineup then in these Packers stacks, especially if you're playing Rodgers and Adam as just a single stack or even MVS in there as well, running it back on the opposite side. And on a massive slate, you don't have to stack as much full on game stacks because there's so many options and so many other values that can pop off and look better. So you don't have to force it in. But if you wanted to just go single stack, Rodgers plus Adams, the opposite run back, Allen Robinson might be too expensive for you to fill out the rest of your lineup and feel comfortable. So guys like Darnell Mooney would be my next option after that, would probably be my favorite option after that. Actually, you're seeing a lot of volume out of Darnell Mooney at just $4,100. Mooney will see some Jair Alexander, but a lot of that will be Allen Robinson, who was the primary guy last time. Mooney lines up on the left 35% of the time and 45% on the right side, as you can see on the screen. So we'll see some Kevin King as well, which is a fantastic matchup. Kevin King is one of the bottom 10 quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, so far in the league this year. And you can see he's seeing six targets per game. He's seeing downfield usage as well. And he has a lot of red zone usage as of late. So I like that top 10 and deep targets for Darnell Mooney. Other options are on the slate down here as well. Some other cheaper options. Consistency of CeeDee Lamb is nice. Marvin Jones in a bounce back week in a really strong matchup against Minnesota after he burnt a lot of people last week. It's a nice spot to get to. Basically, if your name's not Devontae Adams, you're not going to have that much ownership this week. And if you just want to stack up Devontae Adams with his 4% owned quarterback, that's one way to just get away from the ownership. I think Devontae Adams will be the only guy if, even if, hits 20% ownership this week, maybe on the entire slate. I don't think any running backs will. I think if anybody's going to do it, it would be Alvin Kamara at running backs. And I think Devontae Adams might hit 20%, which means that if he's not even hitting 20%, and let's say he's at 17 or 18%, every other wide receiver is going to be at like 12 to 14%. So not too much concerns there. Other value, Chad Hansen in stacks. Tim Patrick, but I prefer his teammate Jerry Judy at this point. MVS mainly only in stacks. Denzel Mims is at 3K. I wish Josh Reynolds had his quarterback, but you're basically choosing for your punt options between Josh Reynolds, Denzel Mims right now. Uh, we're talking 3,500 and below, and then Mr. Richie James. So they all kind of look similar to me at this point. Denzel Mims and Richie James are probably better options than Reynolds just because of the quarterback situation. No Keenan Allen, so Mike Williams pops off, but he's already priced for it around there at 5K. I think you could still see a big upside game out of him. He's close to a yes for me as a one-off, especially in single entries. And Tyron Johnson at $4,000, he was known to be, or at least thought to be, the direct backup to Mr. Mike Williams. And then last week, you saw no Keenan Allen go out there. The week before that, Keenan Allen was banged up. And Tyron Johnson has been playing very well. I mean, last week, you saw him run 30 routes. In week 16, he runs 30 routes. He was operating as Keenan Allen's backup last week, running 30 routes, right? So he was not the direct backup to Mike Williams. They were both running a lot of routes. So very quietly, Tyron Johnson, he is 4,000. So if he was like 3,600, he'd probably be my number one punt play. But at $4,000, he's in a range of a lot of other, other guys, right? Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. Um, you have Michael Pittman, Darnell Mooney, Nicole Hardman. So he can't be like a standout play. But he's very quietly, all these guys are going to be loaned. He'll probably be like 2% owned and he looks like a nice option. And then we close it up with the tight end position, which is going to be just as simple as it was last week when I discussed the tight end position. And it's really because there's only a couple of guys that I do like. And, and honestly, ownership, I thought I was just like starting to 
to say that it's only going to come in on a couple of guys, but it's actually going to be relatively balanced out. Like you're going to have ownership on Darren Waller. You're going to have ownership on George Kittle, which you should. George Kittle last week running 15 routes was able to put up a pretty decent performance of over 90 yards. He's getting open left and right, no problem. And he looks fine. After the game, he said, I feel fine. So it's just as much as the team and the doctors feel comfortable playing him in a game that doesn't matter right now. The tight end out of Iowa, former fifth round pick, the value that you're getting on him. But he only ran 15 routes last week. To put that in perspective, normally when he's healthy, he ran 43 routes in week four. He ran 30 routes in week five. He ran in week six, his final healthy week, 28 routes. So you're probably getting him run last week, like a 50% of his role. And he only played 55% of his snaps instead of normally like 95 to 100%. So he had four catches on five targets for 92 yards. I like George Kittle a lot this week. George Kittle is my number one tight end play pretty much by far at this point. So George Kittle's in play for me. I do not expect to just be getting like this balanced ownership of like 10% on every tight end or really like between four and 10% on every tight end. Kittle coming in at like 8% owned is kind of questionable to me. I think I might get somewhere around 40 or 50% Kittle and I'll feel fine with that. After that, I know why people are owning TJ Hawkinson. Still no Kenny Galladay. I don't expect him to come in. Still seeing a pretty nice target share, getting a lot of red zone targets. He's my number three overall tight end play. Evan Ingram, I personally prefer than some of these other punt options. Like you're going to see some other punt options picking up ownership this week over Evan Ingram. You're going to see guys like Mike Gusecki picking up, which he's fine. He's mainly a run back option in Miami stacks for me. Uh, I'd rather go to Evan Ingram in single entries. You're going to see Noah Font in that range. I can prefer to get to Evan Ingram who gets a little bit more secured volume, the pro bowler, the fake pro bowler, Evan Ingram at this point in the season and his matchup against Dallas. So for me, George Kittle, like I usually get very condensed target shares at the tight end position or ownership shares, right? So I'm not shocked to see on Sunday morning if George Kittle's in 45% of my lineups, Hawkinson's in 20%, Evan Ingram's in 20%, and then I get like Waller at 5% and then fill out with that, right? So I'm expecting that to be the case, not 100% certain, but right now, George Kittle, Hawkinson, and Ingram are my favorite options. If you're looking for a $3,000 or below punt play, I do think, I, I like Dalton Schultz more than Donald Parham earlier in the week, but Donald Parham, now that Keenan Allen is also ruled out yet again, Parham didn't run as many routes as even Steven Anderson, or he's being out-targeted by Steven Anderson last week, but Parham is still the more talented player. He only had two catches on three targets last week, but at $2,900, if you're picking between Schultz and Parham, I actually think that I would go to Parham here. You ended up seeing him run 33 routes last week, so it's really hard. He was out-targeted, not out-route ram by Steven Anderson. So it's actually really hard to get away from a guy who has red zone usage, right? He's a big-bodied player, the former XFL star, if you will. 6'8", 240 pounds, undrafted out of Stenson. Don't know where that is. 23 years old. He is one of the best burst tight ends in the NFL, according to player profile and catch radius players. So yes, Parham at $2,900 would be my punt play option this week. I know he was the chalky guy last week. I'm currently projecting Parham as my number five overall tight end option point per dollar wise at seven and a half points. I do have Dalton Schultz as a better play in terms of pure projection. It's barely right. It's by like a half a point, but I'll go with Parham's upside. Just running those 33 routes is very encouraging who has a very consistent and stable quarterback in Herbert this year. So that's where we're at. This is the final show. It's a big show because it's a 15 game slate. That's where we're at with each position. Obviously things will change based on Friday news. If you have any questions, you can leave a comment down below. Really in the Discord, I can answer your questions on Patreon. So if you want to join that, follow along with projections, rankings, ownership, all of that stuff. And yes, we'll continue to have content on this channel. We will all the way up until the Super Bowl. We're going to continue to put out NBA videos and NBA live streams, which are a ton of fun. We've already done, I think, three or four this week. We'll probably start those back up on Monday. EJ is going to be returning next week, I believe, with the Sony Open or the Century Tour of Champions, actually, is where we're going to be going with that one. So be sure to check that out because that's a very fun event. It's a small field event from all the champions of last year. You can see who's the champion of all champions. I believe Justin Thomas won that last year. So a lot of fun events. And you can play all those things on DraftKings. You can play all those things on SuperDraft. And you can also play all those on the presenting sponsor of this show and get some help over on Patreon with it. But Jock Market, again, check them out. My name's Sal10, S-A-L-1-0. Get you a free $10 whiskey bonus. Happy January 1st if you're watching this on the 1st. And just happy new year in general to you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I'll see you all. Notifications, subscribes, all those things so you can get notified of when we go live on Sunday morning. I'll see you all then.